You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, We're going to kind of do a follow-up, a third part, maybe a little bit, in what we were talking about on Sunday. Uh, So turn to Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, and as you're turning there, once you find it, if you wouldn't mind standing, and we're going to read the, uh, in honor of reading of the scripture, Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, and we'll read those same eight verses we read on Sunday night, and uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, I do feel like uh, this is where the Lord has had me uh, to, to preach these last couple services, and so I'm assuming if he wants it, then it's got to be what we need. So Luke chapter 14, and uh, we'll read, let's read it together. I think on Sunday night we read responsively, uh, but tonight we're going to read verses 25 down through verse 33, and uh, we'll just read it at the same time together. You read out loud, and I'll read along with you. Luke 14, verse 25 Let's read, begin. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, He cannot be my disciple, and we'll stop there. Words of Jesus Christ, words uh, conveying what he felt would be the most important thing for his followers to know, and how you can know you're a disciple. He tells them right there, and uh, and then he we went on Sunday night to a different passage, explaining the fruit of a disciple. I'll review some of those things tonight, but there's there's no more important label for you to wear. Uh, Eastside Baptist Church member, there's no more important label for you to wear than that of disciple. And we'll, we'll pray and then get into the preaching tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you for la- allowing me to open the Word. I, sh- I certainly do not deserve the privilege. But I pray tonight that you would bless the reading of your Word, and I pray that you'd help my voice to be strong, and I pray that you'd help me to convey very clearly what your Holy Spirit has asked me, has led me to convey tonight. I thank you for these good people for being here on, their, on this Wednesday and for their faithfulness. I pray that you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, this past Sunday, both messages, of course, I preached. You may, you, you may sit. I preached. They were on the subject of discipleship. And we looked here at verse, uh, Luke 14, and we also uh, referenced Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. But here in Luke 14, Jesus Christ was trying to, to help the disciples or the followers, the multitude, I should say, to understand what the cost of discipleship could become. He wanted them to be sure they knew what they were getting themselves into. And I think very often we jump into something thinking it's going to be one thing, and then we find out it's much more involved than you think it's going to be. That's probably happened to you if you've ever started a project, and you think, oh, it's going to be this simple. And then you realize just how involved it is. And we all probably can think about those kind of things. Um, I did that. I sprung something on Heath, Brother Heath Chambers last night at the shop. I said, hey, I've got the back seat of my Suburban won't come out. And I said, if I bring this in, can you help me? He's like, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. Well, about 30 minutes later, he's still tugging on the seat. And he finally finished it for me. Um, but, but those kind of things happen all the time, don't they? Where you, you think, well, it's not going to be very much. It won't be that involved. And then you realize it's actually much more involved than you thought. Well, at this point in Christ's ministry, many in the multitude were flippantly following Jesus Christ. They were just kind of part of the crowd. They, 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 just, they saw the crowd gathering and they thought, well, I'll just jump in and, and see what miracles he performs today or what he's going to be, you know, what the new news is going to be. I want to be there for it. And so he turns and he gives them a discipleship test. And he says, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than all your other relationships. You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than your own self. And you cannot be my disciple unless you love me even more than your fear of death. He was asking his disciples to take up a cross, which meant that he was asking them, some of them in that crowd, he was asking them to physically die for him. Now for us, we're not facing that in our culture today, but he does ask us as his disciples to die to ourselves daily and to say no to ourselves every day. In order to follow Christ, we must purposely and willfully put him first. We must be willing to forsake everything else for Jesus Christ. But because that's tough to do, I wouldn't be surprised if a good number of people, and I think that you would echo this, but I wouldn't be surprised if a good number of people that claim to follow Christ are really not disciples. I wouldn't be surprised if many who claim to follow Christ say they love Christ first, but in their lives, if we were to look at the evidence of their lives, we would have to say probably they don't love Christ more than anything. I know for myself, there are times in my life I have to stop and evaluate because isn't it easy? I know it is for myself. It's easy to get wrapped up in all the things you've got to do and you forget that loving Christ is the most important thing. It's the most important activity of the day. And if you're not loving Christ first, friends, tonight we're not disciples. And rather, the average Christian may follow Christ but maybe only as far as it doesn't interfere with their lives. And I've been there before, and maybe you've been there before, where your love for Christ isn't as strong as it needs to be, and so everything that you're asked to do for Him feels like a drudgery. It feels like you're just going through the motions. It feels like it's an interference with 
all the important things you've got going on in your life. Well, rather than forsaking everything else, many, I believe, add Jesus Christ in simply where he fits. So he's on the same level as school, and he's on the same level as, edu- as uh, their job, and he's on the same level as some hobby that they have, or he's on the same level as, as, as their family relationships. He's just simply a compartment along the edge. In other words, in the illustration I used Sunday morning was, in other words, our lives should be, if, it were, if it's uh, represented by a wagon wheel, our lives should say Jesus Christ in the middle, and all the spokes going off of that, of that hub should be education and family and career and hobbies and my truck. I don't want to meddle too much. Or hunting. Okay, I need to be really careful with that when I know. Motorcycles. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to meddle, but I'm kind of trying to meddle tonight. There's some things that are really, that are very, we can be passionate about. And, and we love, and we're involved in, and it's something we enjoy. But listen, if, if Jesus Christ is not on the hub, if He's one of the spokes, then, friends, we're not disciples. We have to be mindful of what our lives look like, and we can say we love Christ, but what does the evidence say? You know, it's a shame because it's God's desire for you to be a disciple. That's, it's God's plan. It's God's ultimate purpose for your life, Eastside Baptist Church member tonight. Uh, God wants you to do, be, to do many things. He wants you to be a good husband. He wants you to be a good father. He wants you to be a good wife. He wants you to be a good mom. He wants you to be the best employee that you can be. But above all else, if you're not a disciple, you are not fulfilling your purpose in life as a Christian. All of those other roles that we play are enhanced if we are disciples. They're diminished if we're not. We've got to be mindful that disciple, among all the other things, is the most important role that we can play. It's mentioned 269 times in the New Testament. It's what Jesus Christ called His followers. He didn't call them Christians. He didn't call them believers. He called them disciples. He said, this is a serious commitment. It's what I want for each of you, but you're not all going to be able to count the cost. It's a serious commitment. You know, and I think about, uh, you know, it's going to cost something, and I think most of us aren't required to, to take very many tough stands for our faith on a regular basis. I think in our, I mean, in other cultures, I think it'd be very true. In other cultures, there are people who have to, by faith, make a public pronouncement of their Christianity. They have to ask God for protection if they're going to do it. For them to be a bold witness is taking their life and putting it at risk. But for us, we don't have to, it doesn't cost us very much in this country. Now, I know it does cost many. It costs you something. I, I, but, it, that, but what we pay, historically speaking, it, it doesn't compare to what those that have come before us have paid. And I, I listed off the, the apostles on Sunday night and how each of them died, and they died, most of them, by persecution and by martyrdom, except for the apostle John. Uh, but even, even then, he was, uh, he was boiled in hot oil. And, he, and some say he died of a natural cause, and, and I don't know how you prove that for sure, but most of, God, of Christ's disciples, and most of them, if you think about it, 
most of them that were in the multitude in Luke chapter 14 that saw or heard Jesus Christ say, uh, you've got to take up a cross. If you don't hate your father and mother, you cannot be my disciple. Most of them that heard him and said, yes, I'll be one, they were probably killed by a sword. They were hung on a cross. They were murdered in cold blood because of their decision to stand for Christ. And yet, in our culture, in this day and age that we live, uh, the greatest cost that most of us pay um, is convenience. You know, our schedule is interfered with, or we've got this to do or that to do. And, and I believe that the ease of discipleship in America has affected our commitment to it. It doesn't cost us so much, so we don't take it as seriously. In other words, and I could say it this way, if it doesn't cost you that much, you probably don't value it that much. I mean, if I was to, and I know some of you in here are car people, and, and I was out at Brother Craig Chambers this week, and I saw a Corvette under a cover. So I didn't really, he didn't, he didn't let me look at it, but he said it's over there. He was afraid, my, I, I, don't, I don't want to mess it up, but I saw it under this cover, and you know, if, if someone, if, if, if brother, if someone was just to give me a Corvette, or it's not mine and they tell me I can drive it, I'm probably going to treat it differently than I would if I saved for 15 years to buy it for myself. Because what I, the, the skin I have in the game makes it more valuable to me. What it costs me means that I value it more. Whereas if I don't, I mean, I think that's a problem with our young people these days, is if we just hand them everything that they, that they want, they don't value any of it. They don't take any of it seriously. Well, no wonder it's a snowflake generation because we, they've been handed things and they just, they're given to them. They take things for granted and they don't value much of what they have. We've got to be mindful that if our discipleship costs us little, we won't value it. And to that I have to say, number one, be willing to submit when it costs you something, even if it costs you something, especially considering that in our culture it doesn't cost us a lot. And by that I mean a lot of Christians in a lot of churches these days they bucket, they, they, they stand against it or their back gets bowed against it when they're required to do something extra. And, and we, we need to be mindful. If we're disciples, anything extra that's required of us, we, we should happily do it because it means our discipleship is costing us something. If, if your life looks no different on the outside than it would if you were an unsaved person, it's not costing you anything. Uh, be willing uh, or maybe even be thankful when you, it costs you something because it's only when it costs us that we start to value it more and it's only when it costs us that we can be considered disciples. So I know some in, in churches, they kind of buck the system when there's an extra event coming up and, and the pastor's asking for help, all hands on deck. And they say, well, whoa, 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 I, I only get one day off a week, and that's on Saturdays, and I need that morning to do this or that. And that's the wrong mentality for a disciple. A disciple, if it doesn't cost you anything, 
I don't know that you can claim the title. When it comes to standards in our own lives, in our personal lives, you know, most of us don't like to live in a tighter box. It's no fun. But when it comes to our personal standards, is it too much to ask for us to be a little bit more restrictive on a personal level if it means that um, I can convey my discipleship a little bit more clearly like in the way that I dress or the, the things that I listen to or the places that I go or the things that I'm involved in? You know, personal standards, they're not too much to ask for disciples. There's an event coming up at church um, that feels like oh, I've got a lot going on, and I, I don't know that I can, you know, commit to this. Uh, well, a disciple probably looks at the opportunity to spend or, or have it cost him something. They probably look at that as a golden opportunity to prove a little bit of their discipleship. So what I'm saying is, you know, God is represented through this church to us. And our discipleship very often comes in our involvement in our local church. And for us to always resist it if it costs us something, it's probably revealing that we're not as much of a disciple as we thought we were. I'm going to just ask you to ask the Lord to help you to have a submissive spirit when it comes to serving Him. Because when we're resistant, we're proving where, how much of a disciple we really are. And I don't want us to be that way. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel the same thing sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's inconvenient, isn't it? Is it inconvenient sometimes, men, to come out for a work day? Absolutely. Is it inconvenient to have certain requirements placed upon you if you have a position of leadership in church? Yes, it's inconvenient. Is it inconvenient to have another meeting? Yes. Is it inconvenient to have to work a little bit harder so that in your area of ministry you can convey excellence? It's inconvenient. I know it is. And I, I'm talking to some men even just this last week of, you know, that teach lessons, talking about studying for their lesson. Is that inconvenient? Absolutely it can be. When you've got a family and you've got, they've, they've got activities and they're, they're trying to go over here or go over there and, and you're trying to be the best father you can be, absolutely it's inconvenient. But that's the cost of discipleship. And honestly, the ones who are not willing to pay the cost don't get to wear the label. And, and I don't want to be hard about it. I'm just saying, to me, it's reasonable service. When you consider that Jesus Christ proved his love on a cross, the least that I can do is give up however many hours a week that are required of me to be in church compared to the rest of the week. I mean, you've got one, two, three on Sunday, maybe more if you're in the choir or you serve, then another on Wednesday, five, six, maybe seven hours. That's a pretty heavy-duty committed disciple to most people in, in today's modern Christian churches. Seven hours a week? You give seven hours a week to your church? Well, yeah, um, but five days a week, they give eight hours to their job. So divide seven divided by 24 times seven, you start to realize there's a lot of hours that are given to other things outside of Jesus Christ's work. 
There's a lot of other investments made in things that don't connect to discipleship throughout the rest of the week. So for us to buck the system when we're required to give a a small percentage of the time of of our entire week, it feels pretty undisciple-like. I just want to be mindful and, and I don't, I mean, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you're here on a Wednesday night and that rain was coming down and it was hitting my head when I was walking to church and it felt cold. And I was thinking, Sioux Falls, the only thing predictable about its weather is that it's unpredictable. I, I told somebody the weather in Sioux Falls is like a roller coaster and not a small one. I mean, extremes. And you know, disciples look at the weather and they say, it is what it is. It's not going to affect my church attendance. Now, I know there may be times, I'm not trying to be unreasonable. There are times when the roads aren't good and it's not safe to be on the roads. But what I'm thankful for is that I've inherited a legacy from Brother Spencer that according to longtime members, they think that he maybe has canceled services twice. And you know what? I think there are probably a lot of people on Facebook saying, that's extreme. Your, your pastor's still at church? That feels extreme. Well, maybe, but, but not to disciples. Because dis- discipleship costs you something. Following Christ should cost us something. And I, you notice, I, as a preacher even, I haven't even said anything about our finances. I mean, maybe I will now that it's come to me. I'm not even talking about finances, although... Does that fit under the category of how a disciple should invest in his local church? Absolutely. And I don't feel like I should say anything to you tonight because, again, this is the core. We're the folks who, who are this, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, and you're probably giving. If you're attending on Wednesday night, the, the, the percentages say that you're probably giving pretty faithfully too, for which I'm thankful. But, I mean, you want to you be a disciple? If you're not giving, probably we could say the label doesn't fit. And I just want to cause us to think about this tonight, that when it comes to costs, if it, it, what doesn't cost you, you won't value. If it doesn't cost you, you probably won't value it. And there's a lot of directions that I could take with it tonight. But I just want to ask you to think about your commitment to Eastside Baptist Church. And I, I'm telling you, it's been a blessing in just the short time I've been here to see people serve and give up their time and invest their time and pour themselves into ministry. And I think, I believe it's a, it's a trademark of many in this room that your disciples and the evidence is in how you give your time and yourself and energy to Eastside Baptist Church. But if this could be a preventative message, let me just say tonight, let's not ever change that. Because one of the words I've been using when I'm talking about discipleship is consumerism. And a consumer walks into a restaurant and says, serve me. And says, you better do it on my time frame. You better taste the way I want it. It better be timely. You better keep my drink full. Come in here and, 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 and please me, serve me, make me happy. 
A consumer uh, at a restaurant, that's how he acts. A consumer that's going to be entertained somewhere says, entertain me, keep me happy. If I don't like it, I want my money back. That's consumer mentalities, folks. And that's okay if you're going to pay somebody to serve you a meal, or if you're going to go somewhere to be entertained, or you're going to walk into a store and buy a product. You know, if I'm going to go buy a vehicle, I don't, I'm not going to go in and say, uh, okay, give me something I'm going to hate. Okay? I've done that a few times, not on purpose. Give me a lemon. That's what I want, a lemon. No, I, when I go buy a vehicle, I'm thinking, no, it has to have this and it has to have this, and it has to have this, and if it doesn't have that, I don't feel bad at all walking out the door, even though all the salesmen are chasing me across the parking lot. You've been there, haven't you? As a consumer, that's a fine standard to live by. As a consumer, I'm going to go in, and I want it the way that I want it, but listen, when it comes to serving God, and it comes to this place, this place is not to represent our culture. This place represents a kingdom. And so it's not about what I prefer, and it's not about what makes me happy, and it's not just about what makes me comfortable. Because my first notion, my first consideration at all times is how does this reflect on the God that we're serving? Not on the people sitting in the pews, which is why Eastside Baptist Church has maintained many of the standards and the feel and the style that it has, because we're much less concerned about representing the average person that walks in the door than we are representing the God that we're serving. And we, never, we ought to always be careful to, to not turn into consumers when it comes to church. Because it's not about what I prefer, and it's not about what I want, and it's not about all the things that make me comfortable and happy. It is about know what is the best representative of God. And if that's our concern, then we're disciples. And if we're the kind of people that come in trying to seek to have everything our way, then we've turned from disciples to consumers. And that's a dangerous place to be in a church. Because usually a church cannot sustain itself in the way that it is if it's full of consumers. And I'm thankful that it appears that we have a church full of disciples, and I want to keep it that way, and I actually I want to strengthen it. I would say, we, let's not be content. If we're like 75% disciple, that's still not meeting God's perfect requirement and desire for my life. He wants me to f- experience all of it. And honestly, I want 100%. I don't want to settle for 75%. I mean, if, if I could have a full cup I don't know if you do this, when you go to get a fountain drink at a, at a convenience store or at a restaurant, man, I fill that thing up till it's just about overflowing because I want all of it I can get. But listen, as Christians, sometimes we're like, we get a little bit in the bottom of the cup and we're like, that's all I need, I'm good. Because compared to my neighbor, I'm fine. And compared to my coworker, I've got way more than they do. No, listen, as a disciple, your, your desire should be fill that cup up 100%. That's what God wants for you. So where are you at if we were to mark the line on the side of your cup? When it comes to how committed of a disciple you are, where are you? Because Eastside Baptist Church will always be what it is if we're a church full of, you know, a quarter cup full Christians. Or even a half cup full disciples. No, a disciple has a full cup and wants all of it. And isn't content to just settle. That's what consumers do. Let's be disciples. Let's see what God might do in our lives and in this church, if we just say, I'm not content to be a halfway disciple, 
I want all of it. Jesus Christ, here in Luke 14, said, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. No, this is an all-in kind of a commitment. And if we're going to make the, the difference we can, that I know we can, it's, it's time to be all in. And we have got to consider being willing to submit to the costs. Because when we're willing to submit to the costs, then we place a value on it like we never would before. When it costs you something, you start to value it. That's discipleship. And I hope that we can pursue this life. Because I'm telling you, I don't want to just live halfway. And honestly, if I could just convey my heart for a minute, uh, I want to be a disciple. I really do. But I don't want to be a disciple by myself. I want to be disciple, a disciple with you, with you. I want all of us to experience together what it's like to be the best, most all-in disciple we can be. And I think that's where God would have Eastside Baptist Church, where he would take us to change our community and to reach our neighbors and to make a difference and to raise up a generation over here across the hallway and back in the back that are just as much disciples as we are. I mean, I'm excited. I'm I mean, I'm trying to contain it a little bit tonight because it's Wednesday night and you're not supposed to get too excited on Wednesday night. But listen, I want to be a disciple. I don't want to be halfway. I don't want to be a consumer. I don't want to settle for anything less than what God has offered me. And honestly, the, the longer I'm here, and I've only been here less than a week, and I'm thinking, my heart is knit with you and I want to do this together. Let's do it together. God has something great in store. Why don't we just go together, lock arms, and we don't have to skip because that's a little weird, but we're going to lock arms, and let's be manly. Let's march, amen? Let the ladies skip, but us guys are going to march arm in arm. We're going to be disciples, and let's go represent a kingdom to a culture that needs this God, and, uh, and I think God's got a lot in store for us if we just be willing to submit to discipleship. What, what, co- what doesn't cost you, you won't value. If I could leave you with one thing, that's it tonight. Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.